The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I am once again joined by all of my fine co-hosts, Nate Heininger, Laura Nash, and Shane Kelly. And this week, we are talking about Elekhead, a uh, puzzle platformer, an indie, very short puzzle platformer uh, by uh, Nama Takahashi, uh, and with a soundtrack by Suyomi. Uh, apologies in advance if I mispronounced anything. Uh, and it's available on Steam and Itch. At this point, no console releases yet, although we can dream, uh, for $9.99. What a delightful game. Uh, this, I don't, I was going to say that this was a real palate cleanser as if I've been playing bad games, um, which is not <laughs> the case. You know, one of the game, the game we did last week was one of the most delightful games that I think we've ever done. Um, but there was something just so nice about this game it uh, you know i love a platformer um i i and, and this one was exactly the right size and it, it, exactly the right amount of time and effort for a game like this I, i'm really enjoyed this game man and all i want from a puzzle platformer is to feel smart and this one delivered yes. <laughs> there's great mm-hmm. level design it was just challenging enough that i didn't think it was for babies but i wasn't <laughs> like oh no i'm going to spend it wasn't baba's you this is going to take me 30 minutes to solve uh, i knew everything was in the room like mwah, just lovely mm-hmm. uh the premise is a you are this little robot thingy with an electric head and you, uh, when wow. you touch parts of the environment, they turn on. And that is sometimes a great thing when you need to move part of the environment around and you need to like move a platform over or it can be a bad thing when fireballs turn on. And that's the whole game. <laughs> yeah. I, what, what do you, uh, there's a, there's a loose frame story going on here. I think the world's electricity has shut down and now you as a luckhead are going around and re-electrifying the world or some or the opposite <laughs> i'm not really sure but there's a little cut scene at the beginning and then a few- <laughs> unclear since the game has no words in it whatsoever <laughs> yeah. even to the exclusion of like even to the point where the the uh the menu uh is completely wordless even things like full screen or windowed mode are represented by icons with no text whatsoever the only words in the game are the title screen says elect head in big t- big text um, so uh, this is like one of the most incredibly like condensed, really tight little games I've played in ages I, I, I spent exactly three hours with this and I wouldn't exactly say I rushed. Um, it really feels great to have one of these games that is like a really good, solid central core idea that it explores really fully. Um, but never over explores. It never does the same puzzle idea twice, you know? Um, and it's in, it's out, it's done in a really great short game friendly kind of way. I, I really love it. Felt like it felt like opening a small container of a delicious snack. And when you're done with the container, it's the, it was the exact right amount of whatever that snack was. I've, I've literally never had that experience. That's what I was going to say. I was like, I don't know. I, I, I do think that this was perfectly sized, but I also will say 
I could have played more, but you know, I, I just because I enjoyed it so much. But also, I love something not overstaying its welcome. It's great. So I want to talk just a little bit about the game's development story, which I don't know a ton about uh, because it is a indie game from Japan. Um, obviously, that means that you know there's a little bit of a language barrier. Um, Might have been why he chose to do the game completely wordlessly. Save some money. Yeah. Uh, I, I I think if you look at the whole history of Japanese game development, uh, a lot it's a very been a very successful strategy to make games that have as no words or as few words as possible. <laughs> and uh, you know, it really saves on the localization. Oh, can you name a game or two where they've they've successfully pulled that off? Well, I think if you look at games like platformers, I'm thinking about the the entire history of games on the NES, for example. <laughs> um, yeah, which is what this visually resembles. It really looks like uh, it, it's even more simplified than the NES. It has very limited set of sprites and an extremely limited color palette. No so I would, I would even compare it to a Game Boy game. Uh, in terms of the aesthetics, although, you know, of course, it's meant to be played on a bigger screen. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, two colors, really, three colors, I guess, like gray. With the background, yeah. Yeah, th- three colors in a background. So in the in the one piece of developer interview that I could find about this game, uh, uh, Nama Takahashi uh, talked about being inspired by um, Mopin, the developer of Downwell. And you can kind of see that here, you know, it's using a different color scheme, but it has a pretty reminiscent art style, the sort of like, not quite one bit, but like, maybe two uh, bit kind of uh, very sharp pixel art. Um, and I think that was also kind of interesting that like, this is part of a, a a corner of Japanese development or game development that is still pretty small. Um, you don't see a lot of these kinds of indie games coming from Japan. Um, these like actual solo indie dev. I'd really games. like to know why that is. Uh, you know, the, the indie scene in Japan has, I, I have some thoughts, although like a lot of this is speculation. Um, Japan is a little behind the U S in terms of the indie boom. You know, the, the indie boom hit the U S like, um, I don't know, uh, early two thousands. Right. Um, like, I don't know, 2006, if I had to pull a number out of my ass, um, I don't know where that comes from. I just, I just guessed anyway, it wasn't until really closer to like 2013 that the indie game boom really happened in Japan. And part of that is because they had a different culture around the way that they do, um, small independent game dev. They had this, they had this concept over there and still do of, uh, Dojin games, which is, uh, like grows out of Dojin comics, which is this idea that there'd be like groups of, of uh, amateurs, um, mostly fans of big works who would get together in kind of clubs that usually get called circles, like doujin circles, and would create fan comics or fan games. Um, in most cases, kind of based on big properties. Um, and then they wouldn't distribute these things online, typically, partly because this was, you know, started quite a while back. But mostly it was the, the culture of it was around going to things like Comic Cat and these other like big uh, comic conventions there. And they would sell their wares in person, usually in like small quantities. And it was it's this whole thing. And so there was this whole culture of, of Dojin games. And if you look at some things that we've covered, things like Cave Story, that kind of came out of the Dojin game uh, like world. Um, but, uh, that game kind of feels like a 
early antecedent to the entire modern Japanese indie dev scene. Anyway, um, you don't really see this kind of game, this kind of development shaking out until much later. And I think it's because it's, uh, you know, people are, uh, because Japanese indie devs are either used to working in a more corporate setting or if they are working on something, it, it took a while for them to kind of move away from that sort of uh, fan game distributed on discs in plastic bags at a comic convention thing over to like they didn't have um, there's a big event over there. There's a big over event over there called um, uh, Bit. Oh, geez. What's it called? Uh, Bit Summit. That's kind of like their big indie dev event. And it actually kind of started when a bunch of Western companies started coming to Japan to recruit Japanese indie devs. Uh, and it didn't start until like 2013. Um, and so the, the, the indie scene is just different over there. And like this guy, when he was doing the interview that I saw, mostly talked about how he just it didn't even occur to him that he could do uh, game development solo until he went to, I think it was a Bit Summit event and saw uh, Downwell, you know, saw Moppin presenting his game Downwell and thought, hey, man, Downwell was so alone. Good. And yeah, so I, I was getting, I can, see, <laughs> I can see the comparison too, really because was, there's one like in Downwell, one of the things that you would unlock as beginning high scores is the different color palettes. Yep. And I can mm. see this guy's kind of tribute to that in giving you mm-hmm. color palettes in the menu, which Again, you can collect totally as well. If wordless. you find them as secrets, you can yeah. you can find new ones. Oh, okay, yeah. I thought I, I didn't realize I that, they were, that they were as secrets. Uh, but yeah, I don't think it. I don't think that that concept works quite as well in a platformer. Like having different color palettes would have been such a good way to break the different areas up. Uh, but uh, yeah, but but the that's a that's a really interesting. Um, kind of lineage for this we for quite a while you know we've kept a running track of games we've talked about on this show and uh for a while donwell was our like most talked about not covered game mm-hmm. so it's good we mentioned it so many times <laughs> it's great to bring it back i you know we always look for more opportunities to talk about donwell and uh it was I'm that and you must build a boat <laughs> yeah you must build a boat and donwell our two most favorite non-covered games um but yeah I, I liked how they handled the pallets in this game and i found a couple of them and actually ended up using one of them uh, as like my primary uh, palette in the game, uh, and I I didn't make the Donwell connection, so it makes a makes a ton of sense. Well, something I appreciate with this and Donwell is the focus. I mean, there's not a heads up display to worry about. You're not like counting lives in the corner. You're just focusing on the level. And I mm-hmm. think at Donwell, it's because you're literally just falling so fast that like you can barely track anything. There is actual score and stuff, but you just doesn't matter. It. Yeah. Here it's completely cleared out. I mean, the, I, I don't want to call it minimalist because I think the puzzles are actually pretty, um, like that to me connotates like we've played some minimalist puzzle platformers. Mm-hmm. This is not uh, a yeah. minimalist puzzle platformer, no. it, but it does just clear out all the extraneous bits. Like, you know, when you get to a screen, the answer's there. Mm hmm. And that is not true on most, or it's right off. I was going to say that's that's a little the, bit. There, there are a couple of times where it defies that for specific puzzle reasons, yeah. but like, yeah. But you know, you like, have everything you need when you get in a room. It's not a Metroidvania. Yeah. There's almost nothing wasted. Every everything is very intentionally placed. Um, there's a really cool. You know, we already talked about how um, you conduct electricity, and when most of the world is made out of metal, so when you're standing on it that whole uh the entire thing that you're standing on or you're touching with your feet or with your head 
Or the nice little animation when you go up against a wall. Did you all notice? Elekhead puts their hand like up on mm-hmm. up on the yeah. wall. There's a ton of really nice little animations in this game, and whatever you're touching gets electrified. And uh, because almost everything is, you know, assumably it's metal, the it it changes the color to match Elekhead. So um, in the basic palette, it's Elekhead is like a nice yellow, and so you're standing on something metal, and the entire thing turns yellow, and then uh, it's continuous that that the electricity will transmit through everything that is metal that you are currently touching. And a lot of the game is built around the fact that like these platforms are kind of suspended and sometimes they touch and sometimes they don't. And that's a lot of the puzzle is trying to figure out not only just how to get a lek head from one spot to another, but sometimes also how do you transmit electricity like across a gap or something like that. And, it, and it's really interesting. And you know, we're talking about the design here that like it's very, very smart the way that they broke out these platforms and these metal pipes that you stand on and how they disconnect from each other at like the exact right place to make a puzzle more challenging or to kind of guide you even like this game does a really good job at teaching you with zero evidence that you're even being taught the way it builds on mm-hmm. the way it builds on its puzzles and the way it uses the environment to teach you how some things, how it, you know, how electricity transmits across things sometimes um, I think is, is so clever and so simple. So we haven't talked about the head throwing mechanic yet, <laughs> which I think is my favorite thing about this game because when I discovered it, you don't actually learn it until maybe after like easily after the stuff that you could seriously consider tutorial it's probably you know um 10 well I mean, 10 minutes out of a three hour you know it's it's only it's yeah a, not not a long time into the game yeah. i have to say the the hilarious thing at the very beginning here in this part that you kind of consider a tutorial it, the game communicates everything it needs to tell you through signs that you know show up in the level right um the very first sign that i found was a sign that just you know, lit up when you stood next to it and it was a turd and the mm-hmm. game went down. <laughs> and I, I want to come I back to that because I, I don't know why the turds were there. I, I kept finding turd signs. They just represented any dead end. Yeah, I think it was just but, a dead end, oh, but it, it took me a while to figure yeah. that out. Yeah. I kept being like, what? Like I was pressing the down arrow, like standing on it, and I was just. It just sounds like trying to interact with that stupid turd for so long. Yeah. I turn on the electric billboard, <laughs> like, and it just flashes button. a turd noise. <laughs> Uh, so the, the head throwing mechanic is was really delightful when when it first got introduced like i did it the first time and i just busted out laughing because the animation is great and it's just a funny little mechanic um but it's super core to the way the game works you know elect head is this little robot with a head that's sort of shaped like a battery and his head is the electric part right and you can eventually throw your head has very uh, it has very simple physics for th- for how the head throw works. You always know exactly how far it's going to go and where it's going to land, and it always flies in exactly a straight line. There's no arc, um, so it makes the puzzle aspect of it very simple and easy to easy to you know understand what you're what you're going to do. It's low on execution, you know, difficulty and high on just like understanding the the requirements. Anyway, you throw your head and it shoots out and then drops to the floor. 
and your head continues to be electrified, but your body then has a 10 second countdown timer where it can run around. And as long as you can get reunited with your head before the end of that 10 second countdown timer, then you're good. But if you don't, both head and body explode and you reset to the last chair. Yeah, the, the head will also, it sticks very briefly mm-hmm. to whatever you throw it to. So you hit it with a, hit a, a wall and it's just like clink and then falls. Yep. Or if you hit the ceiling, it sticks for a moment and then falls. And and that's a lot of this game is this like throw your head. It's like a- go and do something in 10 seconds and beat it. Remind me of Master Blaster almost where like really funny alternate universe version of of uh, uh, of physics is what this head. has. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just like- mm-hmm. yeah, it's great. Um, but but it's super simple perfect puzzle yeah and they're really your body is about half the size of or your body is the same size as your head if that makes sense so when Mm -hmm. so when you throw your head the body you're running around with is is much smaller and there's a bunch of puzzles that are like oh only my body can get through this so i know i'm gonna have to throw my head somewhere maybe electrify something mad dash through whatever this tiny platforming thing is and then recover my head maybe on the other side maybe it's moved around on a platform you know who knows but uh if you don't get it you get a delightful little explosion uh uh you know uh scene like what's what i'm looking for like just a little little just a just a great animation animation. that's what i was looking for the sprite Mm -hmm. everything just Oof, it's it's actually kind of a satisfying explosion. And uh, you yeah. can just press R if you mess something up. And you, like, at least for me, what would happen is I would like throw my head and then I realize, oh, I screwed it up and I didn't want to wait the like 10 second countdown. And I just hit R or I accidentally throw my head into an inaccessible place. And it's like, mm. ugh, you know, and just hit the hit the R button. It's a very satisfying uh, you know, little explosion. And then you boot right back immediately to the last checkpoint. And one extra little song of praise for the throwing mechanic. It has a sight, so you know exactly how far yeah. you're going to throw that that sucker. You look up, you can like see how high you'll throw it. It's it takes the is this a puzzle thing I should try? Like is it you don't have to worry about like remembering how far things throw in this game. It will just tell you yeah. so you know mm-hmm. if it's a viable thing to try or not. Thank you. Thank you developer for putting that in the game. So a lot of the stuff that we're talking about, you know, you, you can throw your head, which is a, a big action thing. As Laura said, it has a little sight and you see where you're going to throw it. And at times, you know, there is this little bit of like a mad dash about what you have to do with your body once you've thrown your head. And so you might be listening and thinking like, oh, this sounds more like an action platformer because there's all these little cues we're talking about. Um, but really it's almost never in this game about being able to execute a challenging puzzle or a challenge or sorry, and executing a challenging situation like a, like a Celeste or any of the other action platforms that we've done that. Yeah. It's not platforming mechanics, uh, that are the challenge. It's the, it's the puzzle. Yeah. Like, you know, with a, with a high execution game, you know what you're supposed to do almost immediately, but it's hard to do it. This game, as soon as you figure out what you can do or what to do, you're probably going to execute it on the first try. Like, I think this game will probably have uh, some really good speed runs in it because I really think that you could ace this game 
without dying with very little effort after you've played it a couple times. And I bet some people are going to get really, really good at it because it's really all about solving the puzzle, figuring out what combination of your very limited move set and how it interacts with a very simple world. And once you've got that, it's done. And that's what Laura said right out at, at the beginning of this show that like, it's challenging enough that when you beat it, you feel very smart, but it's never so challenging that like I had to step away or, you know, it took me more than, you know, a few minutes. Reagan said he bet, beat the game in, in three hours. I think like that's yeah. probably, and there's a lot of puzzles that this, like it's three hours of constant gameplay and constant screen after screen after screen. So there's a lot of these puzzles. Um, but no one of them is really difficult. It does have a difficulty curve. The puzzles get more complicated as the game goes along. But for the most part, it it you know it's never so challenging that it's frustrating, but it's challenging enough that it's very satisfying. And there's just something so fun and tactile about throwing your head, executing this little you know little thing, this little puzzle, and then moving forward or exploding like you know nine or ten times as you figure it out. It's also super low stakes, which I appreciate in a puzzle game because it encourages you to try things because you can just throw your head, see where it lands, see if that solves the puzzle. You can try something else. There's not a huge barrier to experimentation because there's so many checkpoints. So I think that's also key to my enjoyment of a puzzle game is it's gentle reset that you can try something that might be true even if you aren't sure like there are games where that is a huge no-no because the risk of dying is so great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that those are the puzzle games I have a big problem with because you can't experiment. You must know the answer before trying it. We're we're definitely I think selling this game well by saying like hey this is um you know this is a game where the you know you're going to get to throw your head around and solve fabulous puzzles and you know throw your head around and feel smart the whole time and it's real short if you want a game where you can throw your head around but you don't like any of the rest of that stuff uh and you're like i really want a metroidvania instead uh i would say check out headlander (laughs) anybody remember that one no (laughs) no this was the uh old adult swim games this i was so reminded of that when i started this game shane has had uh, this Headlander. stupid grin on his face the entire time he's been trying to set this up. i'm like where is this going what what joke is he working on no I'm, i am a, i am serious i liked headlander <laughs> uh headlander was was a uh it's it's like 10 years old at this point but uh it, it seems you, so much more recent than that my god you uh it's an adult old adult swim game where you would uh you were an astronaut whose head could come off and like all the astronauts, not, not 10 years old, Shane. We're not, we're not dead yet. All right. But uh, time doesn't have any meaning anymore. It's fine. Indeed. Yeah. But you know, thinking, speaking of things that this reminded me of, it, it was kind of felt like a cross between that and maybe like chibi robo, which is almost legitimately 10 years old. When was that one? Oh yeah. That was a GameCube game. He does look a lot like chibi robo and chibi robo also played with electricity mechanics. So definitely uh-huh. has some influence there or, very likely. Um, that was a super cute game. I never really played a whole Chibi Robo game. I've, I've like dabbled a little bit in an emulator, but that's as much as I've really done yeah. Chibi Robo. Yeah, that that game really drew me in with the um, the design. Um, this one was really all about the mechanics. I think the design is is good and very clear on this game. And like I said, by having no text at all, um, they make it 
very engaging on a, you know, a, 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 they make the game just so easy to get into without having to worry about anything. Like, it's, okay, I can, I can see icons. I can keep moving. So I want to call out one last thing about the puzzle design on this game that I just mm-hmm. think is, like, I think one of the most unique things about it. Um, and because this is a fairly unique thing about the puzzle design, especially towards the latter half of the game, uh, you might potentially consider this spoilers. I'm not going to be talking about puzzle solutions for anything in particular, but if you want to be surprised and delighted and don't want to hear about the mechanical thing that this game does, one of the mechanical things that this game does that I think is pretty unique, uh, maybe go ahead and skip ahead a little bit. Um, probably not more than 30 seconds. Uh, this game does a lot with using parts of the level that you don't expect to be part of a puzzle as parts of the puzzle, specifically um, checkpoints and the like end of zone, like teleporter or portal things. So the game has a bunch of checkpoints, like every screen essentially has a checkpoint so that you can reset if you die or if you lose your head and end up exploding or whatever. Um, And every time you walk over one of those checkpoints, it resets the position of everything in the room. And that's important because a lot of the puzzles, like, you know, if you move something into an inaccessible position, like for example, your head, um, but maybe one of the platforms or something, um, you need it to reset in order for you to try again, because these puzzles are very tightly designed. Um, The, uh, but that reset becomes a puzzle mechanic in a bunch of really clever puzzles where, um, you know, for example, uh, the first time that I encountered this, that was like, Again, the game like teaching you its mechanics in very clever environmental ways was there's a long hallway that has eight checkpoints in it Uh, and you have to get from one end of the hallway to the other. Um, and you've, you know, done something, I forget what to, to, you know, cause to set something up and you need to then traverse that hallway in order to get to the thing that you just set up. Um, but of course, if you touch any of those checkpoints, it resets the puzzle and starts over. So, you know, you, then you, of course you, you're realizing, oh, okay, I have to set this up and then I have to avoid the checkpoints after that. And it plays with that same kind of idea, um, several times with things like the checkpoints and the portals, uh, that I thought that was like super clever. Yeah. Um, one of the ways that this game really stood out in terms of puzzle design. I, I also thought similarly, and again, similar spoiler caveat here, but um, there are elements of the world that you see around that you think are just background things to add a little bit of flavor to the world. I'm speaking here of most notably the like what appear to be little dead like robots or something, you know, I don't, again, we have no idea what's going on in this world, but uh, there are little shells of what look like little robots that are kind of all over the place. And you're like, Oh, maybe previous elect heads had tried to do this mm-hmm. or something like that. Right. And they had failed. Environmental storytelling. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> A a skeleton on a toilet. Wow. An elect head on a pile of spikes. Yes. Uh, What what story are they trying to tell us? Um, It looks like in the past somebody stepped on a spike floor. Yeah. I think that thing died on that spike. (laughs) It would be great if every time you died, it just left behind a little shell and just piles up. But um, Uh, the swapper. (laughs) 
Oh yeah, that is a swapper. Behind dead bodies. Oh, yeah. oh my god, I love the, the swapper. swapper. What Every have time I done? I remember the swapper exists. What have so I like, done? I, play the swapper I, again. I did what I had to do. Um, yeah, what a great game. Um, anyway, so these these little metal shells, um, you know, they seem to just be environmental storytelling until you realize they also are a part of the environment, and they are seemingly made of metal. Metal conducts electricity. And I guess I'll leave it at that. But I just like the way they teach you about that and the way that it incorporates that, I just thought was so cool and um, a great progression of, of a very simple game. And so smart. I took a screenshot of the first time I learned that because I was like, oh my God, it's blowing my mind. <laughs> I took a screenshot of the one time, I think it must just be random, like one in 500 times when you throw your head and it lands back on your body upside down. Wait, I don't think I saw this. I ran it out a couple times. I don't think I saw this or I didn't notice. (laughs) Amazing. I loved it. I loved it. I just, you know, you, you throw out your head, it lands on the floor and like, Oh, that it's upside down. What happened? Or the very subtle thing where if you play the same level a whole bunch of times and you keep dying, he gets angry eyes. I did see that there's a, um, you know, I've said this game is not about execution other than some of the secrets. There's, much like a strawberry from Celeste, um, we've already talked about the color palettes. There's also little like floating discs or remotes Remote or something. Things, yeah, chips, uh, whatever they are. And they are they are uh, you know just a little technology, just a little floating technology. And they are uh, they are optional, more challenging, um, you know, puzzles. Almost always hidden through some sort of secret wall. Um, and then, you know, you see it and you're like, well, do I want to do that or not? And some of those are actual like speed challenges, like platforming challenges. There's one that, um, I spent too long on, but it was satisfying where, um, you activate a, like a timer and there's a brief amount of time to collect 30 of these little, uh, chips did any of you find that and do that no i haven't found that Mm-mm. i think there's a lot of little secrets yeah. that i missed because you know i was i was you know playing to playing to complete the well thing. there's 20 of these additional chips but this one accounts for three of them because hmm. depending on depending on how many of these chips you can get in this short amount of time oh yeah yeah that spot yeah. that was a really cool little yeah yeah you have to really be uh i only was able to get two out of three of those but the the timing was cool. You had to really be good with the throws and and pick, throwing and picking up your head so that you and the head yes. are both collecting chips at the same. It was time. a really cool mechanic, and that's where I was like, I again, I love the the uh, brevity of this game, but some of these um, extra challenges, they do a good job of playing with like the what it what's you know what you're capable of when you can throw your head and also control your body, and so like. What Shane's talking about is, um, you know, the only way to really beat it is that these chips are popping in, popping in the air and you see where the next one's going to come out. And so what you might have to do is throw your, it's like a tiered platform. There's uh, three levels. You can be on the main floor, the middle floor, the top floor. And so what you might have to do is throw your head to the left and jump to the right to get the chip in the air so that the one that is... Put your hands on your hips <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. and pull your knees in Do tight. the time warp, baby. Um, and uh, 
your the falling head on the left side of the screen gets the new chip that has appeared because you got the chip on the right and then a new chip has appeared in the middle and you go get that while you go get your head, which you then throw across, you know? So it's this like really challenging um, balance of throwing your head to get chips, using your, yourself to get chips. And then also there's the the timer that you can only be apart from your, your head for a certain amount of time. So you have to kind of balance that. And it was actually hard, like, like actually hard platforming stuff that, of course, you know, I, I enjoy, but I also like if this is an optional thing. If you are like mm-hmm. this, if you're like, this sucks, uh, rightfully so, you know, I don't know why I like this masochist shit, but like, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, you can, you can step away if you don't like it, but I enjoyed it. And I thought it was cool that this was just tucked away, find it. It's cool. If not move on. I mean, on the other side of the spectrum, I think the first time I was really excited about this game is when I was running around a room and didn't know how to beat it. And I just jumped up, hit the ceiling, and it moved the platform. And I was like, the ceiling's electric. This game thinks of everything. Yeah, there's a lot of that, you know, where there's nothing to do. And you're like, have I electrified everything? Yeah. Yeah. It's a real, like, completionist set everything. (laughs) Just... Just stick lighting through every single thing in the room, and eventually you'll solve the problem. Um, I think it's really nice to opt into a, you know, keyboard mashing, button mashing challenge, and then just be able to jump around kind of doing stupid stuff, and still both of those are viable ways to play the game. So briefly wrapping up, Elekhead. Double thumbs up recommendation from me. This is a really great little one evening, you know, game that you can pick up on, uh, you know, PC and uh, for the Mac users in the audience, uh, Laura and Nate, I believe both played on Macs via Parallels. Correct. So while there's no Mac port of this, it should be playable on most setups if you're willing to do a little bit of extra work. Um, I would imagine also on, you know, uh, Linux or whatever you have. They got to get this. They got to get this to switch. It is like, it'd be great. It's a perfect switch game. I think it'd be a, it'd be a huge hit. We didn't, we didn't talk about uh, controls. I I think Nate played on keyboard, but of course it's also supports a game pad and it's perfectly great on a game pad as well. Um, uh, controls were not remappable, uh, which I found a little annoying at first when uh, before the part where you realize that you can throw your head, I thought like, why is my jump button here and not here? But then once you unlock the uh, the head throwing, the controls made sense. So I didn't actually need to, it's, to remap. It's them. funny. How- the keyboard, you jump with C and I was like, this is inexplicable. Yeah. And it's also funny <laughs> how like even, um, you know, it's like a simplicity of controls. There's still ways to screw it up. There's two buttons, C for jump and X for throw your head. And like the amount of times I would be like, I yeah, I'd be like, I need to throw my head and I jump right into a, uh, you know, into a lightning bolt or vice versa. I need to jump and I just throw my head into a spike or something like, come on, there's two buttons i've been playing horizon zero dawn in between this which is like 45 inputs per fight you know and i can do that but in this game two buttons anyway keyboard does let you remap though so oh that's nice yeah. um there may be i may have just missed it because the menus had no i was uh, i went no in the words. menu because i was like why <laughs> no. am i hitting c let's go to this menu yeah the, all right yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's available on itch.io and Steam. Um, it's ten dollars in both places. It's currently ten percent off, uh, so eight ninety nine. 
Uh, and uh, I, you know, I always recommend, hey, pick it up on itch.io if you uh, don't have a strong platform preference because uh, more of your money goes directly to the developer, which is always a nice thing to do. Um, although I will also say that this game has a killer soundtrack from Suyomi, um, and I don't see an option to buy that independently of the game, uh, and it doesn't have it available on itch.io that I can see. So if you want to buy that, you may need to buy it on Steam, um, if that matters to you. But I did did check, and the soundtrack, which is great, is on Apple Music and probably also on places like Spotify. So there's that. Check it out there. Um, and anything last, the things we want to say about Elekhead? Get this game. It's great. Yeah. Check it out. I think yeah. this is a this is a great short game in the in the sense that like this is really a single evening and it was a really good single evening mm-hmm. game. So check this thing out. Um, let's yeah, see. we so frequently have to stretch our definition of short, and this it, it was almost smaller than I expected it to be. Yeah, uh, three hours, and probably less if you're better at it than me. Uh, so. With that said, we've got some time for what's making us happy this week. Uh, So, Laura, what's making you happy this week? So I have been watching a ton of movies, catching up on things released in the past year. uh, And with it, I've gotten new songs. So I think the funny thing about um, uh, my way I listen to music is I I tend to – grab onto four or five songs of whatever I've seen, like whatever TV show, whatever movie I've seen recently. And those end up going to the top of the playlist. And I listen to them over and over and over again. Uh, And today I will confess, I listened to Everlasting Love by Love Affair five times (laughs) because it's used in the movie Belfast in a very good scene with like two enormously attractive people dancing. I won't spoil what it's about, but it's just such a joyous moment in the movie. And I, I think... Uh, it's not that the whole, it's weird to say like a movie about the troubles in Northern Ireland made you happy, but that scene in particular did. And that song did, um, the movie's pretty good, but I've seen better this year. Uh, come at me, Belfast fans. Although if you want to see a movie with your family, this is like perfect because everyone's going to be happy about it. However, it did make me start thinking about other songs I've gotten overly attached to in the last month. And I wanted to give a shout out to, of all things, a version of Green Sleeves by Mason Williams that I listened to seven times the week after I saw Licorice Pizza. He's the guy who wrote Classical Gas. And I was like, what's this song that's not Classical Gas that sounds very much like Classical Gas? Turns out it's a version of Green Sleeves by the guy who wrote Classical Gas. Um, and one other music fixation that's made me happy is I finally saw Town. I won lottery tickets. Uh, and I, as a result, was finally able to listen to the original concept album the musical is based on. And there's a beautiful version of a song called Wedding Song that's Anais Mitchell and Justin Vernon of Bonnie Vare. Uh, and it's just like, I-, I picture the kind of people who get married in the woods playing this at their reception. It is just beautiful. Uh, it's very chill. And even if you don't like musicals, uh, it's a very, very good folk song. So that's Everlasting Love, Wedding Song, and Green Sleeves, possibly the worst playlist I've ever put together. <laughs> the songs are completely different, but they've all made me really happy and reminded me of the best parts of some of the media I've watched this month. Nice. Love a music recommendation. Absolutely. We don't do music recommendations on this show often enough, and when we do, it's usually video game music. Probably because we don't play the tracks, and it's 
weird to do yeah. music recommendations, so I tried to give the names a few times. But, Thank uh, you, Laura. Yeah. <laughs> Good uh, luck uh, looking uh, Listeners, I apologize if I don't have links in the show notes. You're just going to have to search those for yourself. Uh, They're bangers. Nate. <laughs> Good. But Nate, what's, uh, what's making you happy this week? Yeah, well, I'll do a quick music shout out. Um, I, I've got another thing I want to talk about, but you've inspired me, Laura. I've been really into this album uh, that a buddy shared with me. Um, the band is called Thumpasaurus. They have an album what? that came out in the last few months called Thumpaverse. It's one of the most like frenetic, silly, okay. funky albums that I've heard in a long time, and I am hooked. They're like a weird combination of like talking heads, Devo, Aquabats. They're they are all over the place. There's I could I could name like 20 more bands that they remind me of. Um I their their top song on uh streaming right now is a song called Struttin'. It's goofy as hell. Uh oh, man. check it out. I, I'm hooked. It's it's awesome. And listen to the whole album. It's been I've I've been listening to it nonstop for like a week straight. All and, right, uh, I just switched from uh, from Spotify over to Apple Music, and I've been in the process of like yeah. settling in and listening to new new music for the first time in a little while. And Dude, uh, so, thank check you, it out. Both of I, you, I for the rest. I can't recommend this. I haven't been as excited about an album as this one for a while now. So <laughs> the other thing I was gonna say uh, that uh, um. I uh, have been excited about that's been making me happy as I've actually talked about this before on the show, um, but have a recent success uh, with this. So um, I've talked about yoga with Adrian. I think a lot of people know who this is like the most popular yoga instructor on uh, YouTube. She's great. Um, and she does every January, these 30 day challenges where she releases a new video every day. And they're always available and and Molly and I have like tried to do them before do like 30 days straight and inevitably something gets in the way and who knows maybe it was the covid or maybe it was our furnace going out but like we've been home for a month straight and we've had no barriers and we managed to do on the day 30 days straight yoga following the guidance of yoga with adrian and it was fantastic i don't know if we'll ever pull this off again um but uh it's been great if you i am i'm not good at this i am like only comfortable like standing up or laying down flat um but like (laughs) that's what is so good about this the way she uh does the instruction it's it's accessible for anyone and all all types, and um, I I really enjoyed it. So, um, make me happy that managed to do it for thirty days straight. You know, I know the last time that you talked about yoga with Adrian, I was like, "Yeah, that sounds great. I need to do that. I really need to do some yoga for my, you know, falling apart old guy body." <laughs> and then I didn't do it, and so I'm I'm saying this time the exact same thing and likely we'll have the same result but, Reagan, but we'll see. the light in me recognizes the light in you okay give it a Aww. shot give it a shot thank you mm-hmm. Nate. that's beautiful <laughs> nate um I, you guys both recommended lovely things i'm gonna recommend something else that made me extremely happy this week and that is that um I've talked about this on the show before as well but uh friend of the show uh kirk Lindsay. uh updated his killer puzzle game, also a puzzle platformer, 
uh, but more of an action puzzle platformer, um, Combo Postage. It had a big update just recently. Combo Postage is a sort of fast-paced, high-risk, high-reward um, uh, sort of block uh, erasing puzzle game that feels like a uh, like a very high-speed combo of like Mario and Tetris is like a super reductive way to describe it. You are a tiny little guy. Um, I think actually don't know the gender of the tiny little person. I should check that. I think they've added some lore to the game in this update. Um, uh, you, you play this tiny little person uh, running around a room that is a grid of uh, cardboard boxes falling from the ceiling. Uh, and of course you need to be not crushed by the boxes and you need to uh, tape up the boxes in columns and ship them out by jumping on them Mario butt stomp style. Um, the controls are incredible. It's one of these games where a single round, it's very arcade style, so a single round is going to take you somewhere between you know 10 seconds and three or four minutes at the very longest if you're doing extremely well. Um, so it's one of those games that like I constantly boot up to do like a very short little run. And, um, like I've, I've played so much of this game guys. Like this is one of those games where like you ever, you ever have the, uh, maybe this is not a universal experience. Occasionally, uh, people send us games, uh, and sometimes it's publishers. Sometimes it's game developers who want to like say, Hey, hey here's a game that you should check out. Um, this was one of those games that was, was sent to me completely unprompted. And it sat in my inbox for a long time because, you know, I, I, I don't always pick up on things like that. Um, and then when I did finally give it a chance, I felt like the world's biggest idiot because this game is incredible. This is a game that each individual time I play it takes perhaps two minutes. Um, but I have spent easily 10 hours playing this game. I, I think uh, based on like my like steam clock or whatever. And it, I'm pretty sure maybe more, I don't know, but uh, it, a lot of time has gone into this tiny little action puzzle thing. It's one of those things that I come back to again and again and again. Um, I'm going to share my high score here, which has increased as soon as this game got its update. I installed the update and I started playing the same standard mode. It has a new mode that I haven't really dived into yet, so I'm not ready to share my scores there yet. But the original mode... Um, I had been plateaued with a top score in the 70,000s uh, for a long time. I thought that was as high as I was ever going to get. And as soon as I installed the new update, um, it renewed me with vigor. And <laughs> I got a new, a new high score after a new high score. And now my new top score is 99,050. So I want people to come at me. Uh, you cannot beat my 99,050 uh, it will not happen. Um, this game is awesome, and uh, I recommend it to absolutely everybody. It is available on itch.io and Steam. Um, it's uh, previously Windows only. It is now out on Linux, and I, uh, ear to the ground, believe a Mac version may be incoming. Um, but uh, it's one of those things where, you know, Macs... Apple has just continued to make it harder and harder and harder to release software as an independent person on uh, on Apple platforms. But its uh, its Windows version is fantastic, um, and that is what I recommend. So uh, play Combo Postage. It rules. All right, Shane, what's making you happy this week? Well, this is uh, – I'm going to keep this quick, um, but – because uh, this is of, of limited practical interest to the general population. 
but when uh, <laughs> like when I was a kid, podcast. yeah, when I was a kid, um, in my stocking when I was like eight years old, I got a little toy called Astro Jacks, and uh, I've kind of had them all my life. You can think of them as if you think of like just the general category of like skill toys that would include like yo-yos and um, like I don't know juggling Cup ball and string. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, or or something like kendama, where you have the little uh, the cup and the ball that you try to get on. Yeah, the spike. yeah, that's what I was thinking of. I forgot what you call them. Yeah, Shane yeah. Well, I think name for the ball and cup thing. Yes. Um. Uh. Yeah. So so in that kind of general genre, there's this this product called Astro Jacks that is literally three beads on a string, and uh, they're you know big beads about the size of a of a quarter or or bigger. And, um, in those days they were sold like in, in like target and stuff like that. And, and, uh, you know, you kind of do a little juggly thing with them. Uh, listeners, you can kind of imagine balls orbiting around each other on the end of a string. It's kind of yo-yo esque. What you can really imagine is if they lit up, they would be great at raves, but they don't light up. (laughs) Uh, well, so when I broke mine, what I did discover is they did make light up ones among many, many, many different kinds of ones. Right. And those are the ones that are crazy expensive, almost certainly precisely because they're Almost certainly <laughs> awesome at raves. Uh, I can't imagine how they would not be the most awesome thing to have at a rave. But the um, uh, the thing that I found out is like, okay, there's a zillion of these, and like I do, I start over researching when mm-hmm. I want. So like my 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 toy I've had since I was a kid that I love. It's like a it's it's my 30 year old man fidget spinner. Um, I I'm over research researching it, and what I found is that the dude that originally created them. Um, has like a feud with the company that made them and has now basically discontinued them um, over the fact that like he he went into this Swiss company and they were manufacturing them and for him. But then they started to kind of cut him out and like <laughs> the international law like is on his side, but he couldn't get the Swiss to respect it. You know, they, they, the Swiss oh, no. are not famous for their respect for international law, <laughs> and including patent law on Astrojacks. Uh, and so he went down to like Belize or something, and he started ma- he started a, a, the co- he started a new company to make his own Astro Jacks, um, and the new ones are like handmade with crochet with from sustainable materials and Ooh. like cork and stuff, and it, they're just gorgeous. And like this is <laughs> this is the now the new upgraded version oh, of the Astro Jacks wow. that are now being produced, oh, and they're from the original creator. Yeah. These are these are the OG the the real deal Astro Jacks. Well, the the OG you know you can still go get those on eBay, but I I wanted to see what the what the new uh, the new ones were like, and I love them. And I am back to doing my dumb juggling thing that I almost certainly will never do in front of anybody. Uh, but it <laughs> is right. uh, very Patreon, calming and relaxing. New Patreon uh, bonus content. Shane is going to record a video of himself juggling Astro Jacks. If we get to you, I'll tell you 100 what, what's the subscribers. Threshold? <laughs> <laughs> if, we get to, if we get to whatever your threshold is. Uh, I will, I, I, and people ask for it because please don't make me put this out if nobody wants to see. It. I will tell them. Shane, I will Shane, tell them. Shane, just just record a video. Do. I'll make it private. Patrons only. Yep. Don't worry. Okay. This is the kind of content people want, and you know what? Frankly, yes. they deserve. Okay, so they deserve. <laughs> now that you've just talked about them, you can't not show people what Astro Jacks are. You have to record a video. Yeah, we have to put it out on the Patreon for the for the folks. Yep. So. 
Uh, well, we- so my my recommendation for the week is the new Fair Trade Astrojax. Wonderful, nice Fair Trade Astrojax <laughs> from from Belize. Um, that's awesome. Shane, Don't get thank that. You for damn, that. I am so the- sorry. Guatemala, Guatemala is where the damn dirty are. I just Swiss. Had to check the website. <laughs> Yeah, yes, and curse, <laughs> curse the villainous Swiss for their <laughs> for their disrespect for international law. Oh my word! Uh, I am I'm surprised that that Astrojacks are like that. I thought that was literally just like a uh, you know like a, a, a checkout aisle toy from Targets in the 1990s or something. Man, I, I would not have expected. They, that I mean, they were that and more. Uh, they're also a, <laughs> like a, a thing that you can. You can get the light up ones on eBay for like fifty bucks. I'm <laughs> so used to be happy like seven dollars. Like this is a killer yeah. making us happy this week. <laughs> it is making me happy this week. I'm, I'm very glad to have uh, to have found out that not only was I I not screwed by having broken my toy from when I was like eight. Uh, that there's a uh, they're thriving and they're and they're you know doing the right thing and. You know, I get to be happy about the fan. I, somehow they managed to make me happy about spending money on a, a on a beads on a string. So. Shane, yet, c- confess, how much did your new Astrojacks cost? I you? absolutely am not going to say that on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> They're handmade. All right. <laughs> well, all right, handmade all right. in the factory uh, in Guatemala. Yes. Yeah. All right, listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Uh, you can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net, where you'll find all the ways of contacting us, our contact form, uh, links to our Twitter at underscore short game. Uh, oh, look at him go. There he goes. Shane's. You, you, listeners, you'll have to imagine the majesty of the Astrojacks spinning away. Uh, you can find our uh, our show on all the major podcast platforms, which is a great place to go leave us a review. Please do that. Uh, and let's see, you can uh, you can find us on Patreon, of course, patreon.com slash the short game. Uh, every single patron gets access to our Discord, which is where we talk about the show. We share what's coming up on the show. We, uh, we discuss games as we're playing them. And also we just have spirited discussions about whatever. Um, and uh, let's see, Shane, you're distracting me from the podcast outro. Shane is spinning his Astro Jacks on camera. Shane. This is definitely worth the cost of subscribing to our Patreon to see this. <laughs> I'm covering up the screen so that I don't get distracted. I have to finish the outro. Um, listen, uh, listeners, uh, if you want to see the Astro Jacks, you've got to go to Patreon and uh, <laughs> patreon.com slash the short game where you can support us at even just a dollar a month and get access to our uh, our discord. Um, and listeners, if you subscribe at five dollars a month, even just for a month, hey, you know, that's up to you. That sound then was I- not me dropping them. Listeners. It was definitely Shane dropping <laughs> Shane, them. The, the weird thing here is that watching you do this we is very is- politely didn't laugh. And just acted like nothing happened, and you outed yourself. Shane, <laughs> you'll you'll be happy about this, but the real problem is watching you uh, manipulate these astrojacks is making me age rapidly for some reason. <laughs> so I'm gonna need you. Jackson, I'm, make you old. I'm gonna need you to stop. <laughs> uh, the uh, the astrojacks are great, Shane. Uh, where was I? The, the Patreon. Maybe uh, making you old, but they're keeping me young. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a real picture of Dorian Gray situation on the podcast. <sighs> Moving on. Stickers, stickers. You can get stickers if you subscribe for five dollars. I'll send you the stickers. I promise. And for the listeners who did that recently, uh, apologies if there was a short delay in getting the stickers out. They are in the mail. If you are waiting on stickers, they're coming to you. I promise. 
let's see. Um, uh, and that's it. Uh, thank you for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. You can find me on the internet at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. Nate, where can people find you? On Twitter at Nate STL. And Shane, where can people find you? On Twitter at 8BitShane. And thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. <laughs>